Hello, and welcome to the Can You Spare a Story podcast. I'm your host, Sydney Grover, and today we're going to be taking you through the stories of individuals who have broken the cycle of homelessness and ended up on top. Today we're talking with Karen, a dedicated individual who's getting her life back on track after a rough patch. Um, Karen, thank you so much for being on. Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. So I, I know how difficult sharing this story can be, and I know how um, being vulnerable can make you feel. So I just want to say that I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be with us and be so open and honest. Oh, you're welcome. Certainly <laughs> welcome. Okay, so I like to stop, start at the tippy-tippy top. Um, let's talk a little bit about your childhood. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in upstate New York and went to boarding school in Vermont. And then I went to music school in Boston and then Austria. So I just, uh, I've lived a lot of different places. Yeah, you really just got a whole bunch of uh, cultures in your long, young life. That's amazing. So, yes, I did. <laughs> uh, are you close to your family? No, uh, my parents are dead and I am not close to my brothers and sisters. Gotcha. Um, so growing up, was how would that family dynamic impact you? Do you feel like it made you stronger? It made you more of an independent soul? How do you think that made you who you are today? I think it did make me more independent. I couldn't fit into the family system very well. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find my own path. Absolutely. Also, there was, there were, it was a, in many ways, it was a childhood of a lot of privilege, but there was also an alcoholic thread that ran through it. So it was very challenging in that regard. Absolutely. And I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with and really marks a lot of people's lives and makes them who they are today. Um, mm -hmm. So growing up, if someone asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer? Oh, I said I wanted to be a minister. <laughs> wow. And then and I also wanted to be an actress. So I had those two things, and they both kind of come into play in their own way. <laughs> that, I know, that's powerful. You actually like brought it to fruition. <laughs> yeah, I did. So It's a variation on the theme, but it's there. Absolutely. Um, what would you say it was like in school growing up? Did you enjoy being in class? Did you enjoy being in that part of your life? Or were you ready to kind of move on to that next section of your life? I didn't enjoy school at all. I was very, very introverted. I needed a lot of time alone, and being in school is very social and chaotic. I used to go to the Catholic Church, not because I'm Catholic, but because it was always unlocked. And so when other kids would go and play in recess, I would go over and sit in the church because it was so quiet, and I could just gather myself and gather my thoughts. and. I also had dyslexia, so it was very difficult for me to read. So that was always a challenge growing up as well. Yeah, that little bit of serenity and being mindful in your situation. I think that a lot of kids need that and don't take that time for themselves. Right, and the churches aren't unlocked anymore. No, they can't be. So going from the childhood um, that you lived, how did you kind of forge your way into adulthood? What was that transition like? Hmm. Uh, it's, I'm not sure I know how to answer that question exactly. I, I was supposed to have a career in opera, and I lacked the ambition, frankly. It, so that career is so full of perfection, 
and I wanted my music to be full of joy and happiness and and opera just wasn't cutting it so I went to a school of theater instead and uh, but I did have music training so I kind of combined those two and then I was married for seven years and it just didn't work at all and so I but I had two kids which really was a, a beautiful gift from that time and I was I was married when I was 19 I was married to a highway patrolman who was out arresting people for doing drugs and I was sitting with my community of theater people getting high <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a really good match yeah um, so you do have children um, are they still around in your life today yes they are my daughter's 50 years old and she lives in Portland Oregon my son is in Los Angeles he's 48 and I have two grandchildren, 25 and 20. Wow, that's amazing that you have all of these these people in your life. That's really powerful. <laughs> it's been a blessing. So you mentioned that you spent some time in Oregon. What was that like? Uh, I, I really loved it when I first arrived because I love nature and I loved being outside. And it was just... Still, I feel like there's no place like the Pacific Northwest ever. But as the years went on, I began to get pneumonia every year because of the rain and the darkness. And I, I felt like it was very hard for me to manifest anything up there because I would get so depressed in the winter. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I was working as a mental health therapist, so I had a very busy practice because everybody was depressed in the winter. So that worked out in, the, in one level, but on another level, it was, I couldn't take it anymore. But I was there for almost 40 years. Wow. And um, from there, when did you first struggle with homelessness? Well, it, I moved to California for my health. And when I did that, I had to leave behind my family, my friends, my support system, and most of all, a clientele that I had had that I had just built up after nearly 40 years and I was exhausted. I was supporting my daughter and my granddaughter. We were living together and I was working in the morning and the afternoon and at night often and when I came to California I didn't work for a year because I wasn't capable of it. I was really exhausted on so many levels and but I had the savings so I felt like that was okay. Mm -hmm. But then when I began to offer my services, uh, nobody was really interested and because a lot of people did the kind of counseling I do down here. Can you talk and, a little bit about what kind of counseling you do? Yeah, I do emotional healing and it's, it's spiritual in nature. I got my, um, I, I was in graduate school in counseling psychology in 1977. And we were taught a lot about, you know, people as having, you know, different labels and neuroses, and I just didn't like it. But I'd always also worked as an intuitive, and I felt like people weren't getting well because they weren't incorporating the spiritual part of their lives. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, I left graduate school, and I felt like I couldn't begin to do healing work unless I did it my way and it took me quite a while to incorporate those two. I used to get really depressed sometimes from 
sitting and listening to people's problems. So I'd join a theater company and sing and dance, and then I'd be like, that was too frivolous, so I would go back and, and work as a healer again. And finally, I was able to sort of incorporate all of that so that I could... Uh, so that I could really be there in my own unique way with people. And now I, I still do emotional healing, but I also do storytelling classes so people can tell their stories. And I do a one-woman show because I want people to laugh. I feel like laughter is the very best medicine we have. Absolutely. So no one was really um, interested in those services in California. So from there, how did that manifest? Well, I was shocked. Well, I was really naive because I hadn't ever had to get clients before they just came. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know anything about marketing. And uh, eventually what I decided that I could do is to teach uh, writing and performance workshops. But before I came to that conclusion, I, I let go of the very expensive house I had rented. I had to sell my car. I moved into what I can only call a shed, which was awful. Mm -hmm. And then I moved out of there, and I just started going from one house to the next to the next, and you know, helping somebody who had a B and B, or uh, I was modeling at the time, and my designer said, "Well, you can stay here for a while if you'll help me with the show." And so I was always just hopping from one place to the next, and I lived in a van for a long time. I I had a friend teach me. I had a friend named Billy who who makes a life of being homeless and I knew he played guitar in front of the grocery and my mechanic rented me his van for three months and I found Billy and I said, can you teach me how to be homeless? I don't know how to do it. It's, wow. it's really traumatic. And he was really great. He talked about you know where to park and where I could go to the restroom and the importance of having curtains on the fan and all these different things. Yeah. And it's something that we don't think about, all of these different aspects that go into living a normal life that you have to figure out on the go. Exactly. Yeah, it was a very painful time. And one of the things that helped me a lot is that I had a friend who worked at Intel in Oregon, and she... Uh, was an insomniac. She couldn't sleep. And she said, Karen, whenever you need to talk, call me. And I would call her like at one or two in the morning and I'd be like, what's happened to my life? I just don't understand. And she would talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. And having that support system, even if it is just a phone call is so powerful. And it's something that a lot of people don't have. So that's amazing. You had that during that hard time. Oh, I was really grateful for it. Really, really grateful for it. So what do you think you learned? What was the most important thing you learned about your time, uh, basically, on the streets? Uh, I learned that homelessness can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. When I was leaving my husband, when I was living in Oregon, I got married again, and it wasn't, again, a good match. And I thought I was afraid of being homeless. and. And I was having lunch, and there was this homeless man near me, and I said, let me buy you lunch. And so he came and, and had lunch with me, and afterwards, when he left, I thought, well, I probably won't be homeless because I don't have that consciousness. I, I have a consciousness of abundance, and I have a good network, and it. so I had this false idea, but 
but also homelessness is so prevalent right now. Mm -hmm. I'm, people cannot afford housing. And probably the only reason I'm successful today is because there's a woman that opened her home to me and said, I will rent to you at a price you can afford. And then I could take my time and I could establish my classes and my business again. But if I didn't have that, I, I would still be at risk. Absolutely, yeah. still be at risk. And those are your those are your like guardian angels, the people who are watching over you and protecting you when you need them. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about where you are now. Okay, uh, now I live in Ojai. Um, I live in the best living situation I could imagine. The woman I live with is completely compatible with me which I've never really experienced in a housemate. Yeah. Uh, he travels the world all the time, and there's a lovely cat in the house named Felix, and then we have chickens, and I'm very, very introverted, and I love being home, so I tend the house and tend the animals and just see clients at home while she's off, and she has peace of mind because she knows everything's well taken care of, and... I have peace of mind because I have solitude and, and I can run my business at a rate that I can tolerate. Yeah, that's wonderful that you found someone who is so compatible with you. Who yeah, just, I was amazed because I haven't had that before. That your life marriages, I mean, that's powerful. So I, yeah. I know that you're still growing your network. Are you currently taking new clients? Yes, I am. I'm, you know, I'm 73, so I don't have a full workload anymore. But yes, I do take new clients, and I take them at a distance. I usually use Facebook video or um, WhatsApp. I can use that, and then I have clients. Probably 25% of my clients are in Ojai. But I've written a book, and so I got a lot of clients from Europe and overseas. So I, I'm grateful to be able to see clients on the internet so that I can see anybody anywhere. Yeah, of course. So how can we support you and get in touch with you if anyone's interested in any of your services? Um, uh, I guess my website or my email would be best. Um, the website is just karenbanfield.me and email is banfield11 at gmail.com perfect and i'll put that in the notes below so everyone can get in contact with you if they are interested in your services because they are so powerful thank you thank you i appreciate it well thank you so much for being so open with me and sharing your story i mean i know this is very difficult and it's just really powerful to see that you've come up on top well it's very nice to be here i have so many friends so who are well educated strong wonderful people and they're doing what I did they're going from house to house because they even though they're working constantly they can't afford a house so yeah. it's a tragic thing that's happening here in the United States and speaking about it if it helps in any way I'm really happy to do it yes well thank you so much you bet thank okay. you